What's up, wellness warriors? You have found yourself on Unconventional Wellness Radio, and I am your host, Frank Ritz. I'm a physician assistant with 10 years of experience in both medicine as well as alternative therapies to help you get the holistic health care that you've always wanted. You know, over the past 10 years, I've had the opportunity to learn what I now deem as the five pillars of unconventional wellness, and they are nutrition, movement, getting better sleep, reducing your stress and anxiety, and being able to remove toxins from your living environment. And through these five pillars, I myself have been able to be a product of the product, and I want to share with you both my personal testimony and the research that is starting to come out regarding a lot of these things that we look at in preventative medicine. So hear from experts and all the individuals that I've had the pleasure of working with throughout the years in unconventional wellness. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on Facebook Live? What's up wellness warriors? And what is going on on the unconventional wellness radio podcast. Frank here. I am your host and I have the distinct pleasure of being able to talk to you on this podcast, on this Facebook Live, whatever way you're listening. And uh, today is going to be a a different one, but the more that I talk about it, actually, the easier that it's become to talk about it is that I wanted to talk to you about how trauma has changed me and how I have learned how to adapt and change and not allow it to control my life anymore. I also am going to be doing a giveaway because our Facebook page, by the way, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever, and you have not gone over to my Facebook page and given us a like on the page, Unconventional Wellness with Frank Ritz, please do so because I am doing a absolute giveaway I don't know how crazy it's going to be. I'm still kind of formulating it, but I'm super excited because we just hit a certain milestone on the page, and it's incredible that you guys are all flocking to unconventional wellness, and I'm so grateful for it. So it's time to do a giveaway because that's just what I like to do. I don't know why. And so uh, go ahead and get on over there. Give us a like on Facebook. Uh, absolutely give us a uh, like, a rating, a review, if you will, on this podcast as well because... Uh, this will enter you into the giveaway. And I promise I'm going to announce that giveaway here very, very soon. If you're joining us on Facebook Live, let us know, just like Diane did, where you are at. And I'm so sorry that you're cold up there in the in the New England area, Diane. Uh, you know, it's it's surprisingly and weirdly warm here where I'm at. I'm in the, I'm in the western side of North Carolina and... Uh, the the high yesterday was like 68 degrees or something like that. It was wild. And it's supposed to stay like high 60s for the next couple of days. So I don't know what that's all about, but um, winter has decided that it wanted to take a quick break and I guess allow spring to take over for a week. But anyway, um, let's dive right in and uh, enough about all of that. And let's talk about how trauma changed me and how I have learned how to adapt and change Again, so it's a little transparent, but uh, you know, it's a it's a story that needs to be told because uh, it may be able to help just even one person. Then it's helped somebody. Okay, so like, share this, and uh, let's get started. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there I was on my first deployment in the United States Army. Uh, 
I had become a newly commissioned, well, actually, I wasn't newly commissioned, but I was an officer in the Army, and uh, I was a first lieutenant uh, who was going out to do a job as a maintenance officer, and that maintenance officer role landed me in the Middle East uh, because I was actually in Korea for one year learning how to be an officer as a platoon leader, and uh, what's up, Davon? And so, uh, you know, learning how to be a platoon leader in Korea was cool because it was like an overseas tour, but it was an opportunity to really learn how the army works and everything like that. But uh, the 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 war really had kicked off in the Middle East by then, and uh, and when that happened, uh, you know, I just had that sense of you know because I'm I'm a part of what they refer to as the nine eleven generation, so it was nine eleven that actually put me into the military. Um, I graduated from college after I had lost my father two months after nine eleven, and uh, and I didn't want to be the only member of my family who had not joined, and so I went and uh, did a civilian job for a little while. And I decided to say, you know what, I'm going to go join the military. And so I landed myself in the army. And I, uh, I was in Korea finishing up with that tour. And I talked to somebody called a branch manager. And I said, I just I got to get to what is called a highly deployable unit. This is the reason why I joined the military. So this is the reason why I uh, am here, and I need to literally throw my hat in the ring and get get over there. So anyway, I went and joined the 101st. Uh, if you knew, if you know of the 101st uh, Airborne Division, they're out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Uh, they are the Air Assault uh, Division. They are the ones that were also made very popular again from the documentary on HBO called Band of Brothers. And so I needed to be with a unit that had a legacy like that. And I really wanted to be my, thrusted myself into the Middle East in that way. So I put my name in the, in the hat, if you will, and, and got my reassignment to Fort Campbell. And within six months, I found myself in Iraq. And so I was a first lieutenant at a time. I took over for a maintenance operation, which was, uh, we were in a line unit and, uh, and I was a maintenance platoon leader. I was also the executive officer of the same unit and uh, found myself going out on different styles of missions quite often during the, uh, during the, the time that I had spent over there during that first deployment. Um, I also, uh, well, I, I went on many different missions, if you will. And one in particular that I remember was the one that was the sentinel event. So let's talk about post-traumatic stress. I don't really like the D because it's really not a disorder. Um, I, I would just say that you don't have to be in the military to suffer from post-traumatic stress. Uh, it could be any traumatic situation that you've experienced where either you yourself or somebody very close to you was either had a near-death experience or death was unfortunately suffered during that event. We call that event a sentinel event. That sentinel event is something that people can usually remember the vast majority of the details, but they have a lot of blurring of a lot of the other details that would specifically describe it, almost to help describe like a haze that happens. Okay, so my sentinel event was when I was out on one mission. Now, there was a bunch of different things, but there's one event in particular that I do remember. And uh, and what had happened was, was we were about to go out on a mission to uh, re-emplace some Jersey barriers and kind of redirect traffic and things like that. And so we rolled out on this mission, and as we were coming back, or excuse me, as we were leaving the forward operating base, 
um, we came to where we needed to stop to check our communications and things like that between all the different vehicles. Well, when we did that, we dismounted um, like you're always supposed to do. You're pulling security around your vehicles and things like that. And my lead gun truck had noticed that there were some wires that had been out of sticking out of the ground. And those wires, um, for some strange reason, here's where the like weird, mystical, you don't remember what happened sort of stuff happened. And hindsight being 2020, I never would have traced those wires with that lead gun truck because we ended up coming across an uh, improvised explosive device that was buried on the ground. Well, um, unbeknownst to us, it was actually a dud. Um, thank God it was because I wouldn't be able to sit here and tell you the story if it actually was not. The reason why is because um, finally some sense of some some sense of I'm I just put myself into a super dangerous situation. Why am I doing this? Sort of finally came across, and I just grabbed a hold of this NCO that was with me, the sergeant, and I pulled him back to the gun truck, and I said, why are we doing what we're doing? Um, let's call this thing up. So we did and ended up uh, having a pretty good stroke of good luck because the engineering folks, the ones that were specifically trained to go and figure out where these roadside bombs were, we're coming back off of a mission. Well, we flagged them down and asked them to use their machine, uh, called a buffalo to start digging into the ground to figure out what this thing was. And sure enough, it was a improvised explosive device. So at that point, uh, we had to continue to pull security so we can call in the bomb folks to come and dismantle the bomb. Um, so fast forward about a couple hours or something like that because it took them a little while to get out there. And uh, they interrogated it and found out that it was a 155 round. Now, if you're not familiar with the size of rounds, 155 rounds are probably the largest explosive projectile that is currently being made for a lot of these ground vehicles that can shoot them. Um, it's, it's shot out of a vehicle traditionally known as a Paladin, which is a really large uh, field artillery style of tank. And these 155 rounds are really, really, really big. Um, and so they're full of lots and lots of uh, explosive material. And this was what was buried in the ground. Um, as the as the team that was going in to detonate the bomb or to disarm the bomb, whichever they could do, uh, was going over it, they found out that there was a pressure plate uh, that was attached to this improvised explosive device. And this improvised explosive device pressure plate was set to trip and create the connection. Like you put enough weight on it, it creates the connection in order to set an electric charge to another charge that was placed on the IED in order to get that 155 round to explode. And so what we ended up finding out was something was happening with the pressure plate uh, to where the connection was not made. And the fact of the matter is, is that that was the same pressure plate that that NCO, that sergeant and I were standing upon. And so due to let it be grace of God, let it be some sort of other divine intervention, whatever you want to make it out to be. Uh, personally, I believe it definitely was the favor of God. Uh, that pressure plate IED did not explode. Uh, if it would have, we would have been involved in a very large explosion. Why do I say that? How would I know that it was going to be a large explosion? Well, the same bomb folks that found out that it was a pressure plated Improvised explosive device were the same ones that attached another piece of detonating material, some C4 composite, to that uh, round and actually blew it up. And uh, it wasn't all until then that I realized the significance of what had happened when I saw that gigantic mushroom cloud from the uh, from the detonated 
you know, round that was exploded because of that material, realizing then that it could have been me that was inside of that uh, mushroom cloud as well. And so from that point forward, there was a lot of other different things that had happened on that deployment as well that sort of just kind of added fuel to that fire. And when I came back from uh, that deployment, uh, after all those things, you know, to include that event that sort of kind of started things off, um, I definitely wasn't the same. And I know that I'm not speaking in reference to just myself when I say this, that we live in a world now where traumatic events are happening, unfortunately, on a multiple occurrences throughout the day. And the downside is, is that you are not alone. You are not somebody who has to allow these traumatic experiences to ever um, define who you are as a person. If you are still alive, if there is air still going inside of your lungs, there is a purpose for you. And that is what the whole purpose of this podcast and Facebook Live is about. So I want you to know that you have a purpose. I want you to share this with somebody who you know closely that may have also experienced something that has been traumatic for them. And I want to let you know that there is hope. It took me a while to find out what that hope was. I remember that I was an absolute wreck. For some reason, I still was alive, even though I had a lot of suicidal tendencies and uh, come, come, come times that I had a couple of times where I was making those thoughts of, um, I'd just be better off if I wasn't around. I'd just be better off dead. And so um, something sustained me. And like I said, that something was, um, that something was God to me. And uh, God showed up in a really big way, showed up as my wife. My wife showed up on the scene uh, during that deployment, and I met her uh, in person when meeting online was not cool back in like the early 2000s. It was, you were a nerd. If you met somebody online, even though that's now the way that most of us, I believe most of us, excuse me, most people now date because I've been happily married for 13 years. Uh, but most people date now meeting somebody that they find online first. And that was what we did back in the early 2000s. But we had this really great story that we used to concoct about, um, how we actually had met. And yeah, it was a little bit of truth, but a lot of, you know, dirt covered up the truth because we didn't want to be labeled as nerds. But anyway, I can now tell you that I met her online, <clears throat> excuse me, and say that with complete confidence. But, uh, but I had met her while we were, while I was on my deployment. And uh, subsequently, after I got back within a month, I finally got the opportunity to meet this gal face-to-face, and uh, my life had changed forever. And so, um, like I said, God showed up in a way, in a really big way with my wife, because uh, I was still away from her dating. Uh, we had a long-distance relationship, and there was plenty of times where I had contemplated, um, you know, early on, like, why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And so uh, she gave me a purpose. She gave me hope. And, uh, and I want to tell you that that is probably the best way to start. Finding that same hope for yourself, especially if I'm talking to you and you've had a traumatic situation that you have lived with for, you know, just a couple of months or maybe many years, is that you got to find someone, okay? You got to find someone to share your story with. And I want to give you all the opportunity to do that with me. Um, There has been healing in, in, in that because the first thing that we all want to do and the thing that a lot of us will do is when we have a traumatic situation, we usually try to keep it to ourselves. And that is actually the best way to give it power. When we keep it to ourselves and we do not share that story with others, there is no healing. The only way that we can actually start healing from something like this is we have to start telling our story. 
And I appreciate you all to allow me to tell my story here on the online space. And so I want to pay that forward. I want to let you start sharing your stories as well. And so if you feel like you just want to share your story simply by putting your story here in the comments of this Facebook Live or emailing me at frank at ritzessentials.com, you are very, very welcome to share your story, okay? Um, This is what you need to do. You need to start by telling your story to yourself. That is actually a way that I really, really started finding healing was I started to find myself comfortable with starting to tell that story to myself, all right? So action step number one for helping you in your healing journey is to start telling you that that story yourself. And what you experienced, that wasn't normal. Okay, that wasn't something that anyone should have gone through. Okay, like I said, we're talking about either near death or death like experiences that have happened either to you yourself or somebody that was close to you. Um, These are where or where somebody was in like imminent danger. Okay, so these aren't normal experiences. You can't tell me by all those New Yorkers that had a firsthand witness of what happened on 9-11 with those towers going down, that they didn't suffer some sort of post-traumatic stress. I mean, I I would be extremely ignorant if those individuals did not suffer from post-traumatic stress. And so I offer it to you is that uh, if the statistics of post-traumatic stress are uh, one out of every eight Americans, which is now known, um, one out of every eight Americans may suffer some sort of a traumatic experience that leads itself into post-traumatic stress. Um, The way that things are happening in this world and the way that information is available to us on the daily Um, You can't tell me that that is probably not less or more so frequent than one out of eight now. And so the first thing that you need to do, like I said, action step number one is start telling your story to yourself and start realizing that it is not something that is normal, okay? But recovery from it can be, okay? And now uh, action step number, moving in action step number two is you got to start telling someone about it, all right? Whether that be a significant other that you are living with or a counselor or, you know, if it needs to be somebody like me that you just start telling your story to, that is completely fine. Number two, it could also be uh, telling your story to, uh, you know, a hotline of some sort. There's a lot of online resources that are available, a lot of people that are making themselves available that want to talk to you about post-traumatic stress and things that have happened to you, okay? Number three, and these are in no particular order, number three is... Uh, you know, once you find that person to start talking to, number three is uh, in, develop an understanding of the truth. And the truth is, is that people have suffered from post-traumatic stress for years, all right? Throughout history, you can read about all the different people who have had traumatic situations happen throughout the years. And so I offer to you is that you got to find truth. Find truth, find the truth in how to recover and give that truth to uh, what I found massive power is I gave that truth to God. And I said that I do not want to carry these symptoms anymore. And I want to make sure that I am able to find this new normal because you won't ever be the same. The situation or the experiences have absolutely changed you. And so you have to understand that there is a new normal that needs to be discovered. Well, I found mine by being able to get into scripture and finding the truth. And so I offer that to you as well, is that my story is not a story of, oh, woe was me. My story is a story of hope 
and of discovery and to eventually give uh, him glory. And that's exactly what I want to tell my story for. So um, I didn't want to make this a super lengthy uh, Facebook Live. I didn't want to make this a super lengthy uh, podcast today. We're right at about the 20-minute mark, which is perfect for those that are traveling to and from work. But like I said, start telling your story. Start by telling your story to yourself. Share and like this. Give it to a friend. And uh, and let's start really helping one another in 2020 to recover and find our new normal because it absolutely can be out there for you. So um, share this, like this, give me a rating and review on the podcast. But most of all, you have stuck around for the last 20 minutes and now let's talk about the giveaway. So um, the giveaway is going to be announced on my Facebook page. I'll do it this week. And uh, it's because we just hit a certain number of likes on my Facebook page. And I really appreciate all of you guys and gals out there that have done that uh, to try to help share unconventional wellness with everybody. If you guys don't know what unconventional wellness is, let me just wrap it up in a nutshell really quick, is that it's a program that I've designed that over the course of the 10 years of me being a physician assistant and uh, and going through a lot of the different things that I have, uh, you know, in a, in a health regard, I have realized that there are some really non-conventional ways to be able to address a lot of our health and wellness concerns. Uh, things through the right type of nutrition and movement and getting better sleep and removing toxins and talking about what we talked about in this podcast, which is uh, how to combat stress and anxiety. Well, I wrapped up all five of these things in the modules that I can deliver over the course of a 90-day period and help you find real change, real and holistic change in 90 days. And so that's what unconventional wellness is all about. And so uh, it requires a community, it requires a tribe of warriors to help one another out. And so come join us and become one of these wellness warriors and uh, and help let us change the world one person at a time because we want to help you reach the heights of health and the heights of wellness that you have never even done anything except for dream. I teach you how to put the, the create traction and to be able to actually uh, really do something for yourself and really be able to change uh, your life in 90 days. And so help me by spreading the word. So um, I will do a giveaway. So go on there, go like the Facebook page. It's called Unconventional Wellness with Frank Ritz. And, uh, and that's it. That's all I've got for you guys on this gloomy little Monday that I've got. But uh, love talking to you all. I want to let you know that there's hope and I want to help you get there. So uh, if you need to send me your story, do so. Frank at RitzEssentials.com and let's uh, let's start telling our stories, guys, because there is hope and power in being able to do that. So take care and we will talk to you again on another podcast or Facebook Live very soon. Bye-bye now.